So we continue in our Christmas story, moving from Elizabeth and Zechariah to Mary. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So we come today to speak of love. The third candle, the pink candle, love, Mary. Now, I don't know what this Christmas looks like at your house, but I don't believe we've bought one Christmas present from a store. They've all arrived in packages on our front porch. Day and night, they're coming uh, by uh, van, by truck. Even last night, about 9.30, just some guy in a car <laughs> dropped one off. So Friday night, we decided we better open them and make sure we got what we ordered. So we had what we called opening Amazon and checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. And what we ended up with was a pile of cardboard boxes in the corner of the room this high. If you have any extra money, I suggest invest in cardboard boxes. They come in all sizes. Sometimes they're big boxes with a little present, sometimes a big present squeezed into a box. And what's with those bags of air? Even when I puncture them, the air still stays in them. What do you do with those? I'm going to tell you a story from my family, and it's called Spaghetti in a Box. It was my grandmother that somehow ended up with spaghetti in a box. Now, this was long before there was takeout, long before everybody uh, had meals delivered at their home. And I don't even remember why she ended up with spaghetti in a box. And it was basically spaghetti in a bakery box. It was either she was bringing it home or taking it to someone or I don't know how. 
but she told the story that as soon as she got in her car with spaghetti in a box, the clock was ticking till the spaghetti leaked through the box onto the seats of her 57 Chevy. So in our family, when something looks like it's not gonna work or it's not gonna hold, we say, this is spaghetti in a box. You know, you're fixing something or your husband's fixing something or you're putting up the tree and you're like, that's not gonna work, that's not gonna hold. That's like spaghetti in a box. That's what we say in the Brooks house. And I thought of that when thinking about this miraculous story. The angel Gabriel visits Mary and announces that God is coming into humanity. That God, God is going to be in human form. I think we might say that's like spaghetti in a box that we can't, surely we're not strong enough to hold God. How can we as human beings embody God? How can the love of God be held in, in something so frail, something so chubby, something so mistake-filled, something so weak, and broken like humanity. Oh, it's gonna be spaghetti in a box. But this, this is what God is doing. It's absolutely amazing, miraculous, wonderful. I don't even know enough words to try to describe what is happening. That God is coming to humanity, to be in humanity. Think of the beginning of this story in the beginning of the Bible. There is the creator creating creation, like a painter painting a picture. Not in the picture, but creating it. It would, you know, it's like you and I hanging our lights outside. We hang them there, but we don't stay out there with them. We're not out there in the middle of the night in the rain or snow or wind. But what's happening is the creator is becoming part of the creation. How can humanity hold God? Think about the beginning of that story. It's the spirit hovering over the dark waters. The spirit's not in the water. No, it's just hovering over the dark waters. But yet now the spirit will be in humanity, creator in creature. In the beginning, it was just a word, just a spoken word out in the atmosphere that said, let there be light, that said, here was where the earth will be and here's where the sea will be. But now, now that word will be flesh, and bones. How can our flesh and our bones hold the word of God? How can we uh, embody God? How can the love of God be in the likes of you and me? Surely we're, we're not going to hold. Surely we'll, we'll fall apart. But that is exactly 
what is happening. Now, sometimes we say, well, this is, this is Mary. This is Mary. And we say, well, well, Mary must have been special. She was favored by God. Even some churches lift Mary up to a high place. But to think Mary is different from us is to miss the point. We can't say God was coming for Mary because she was so talented, so, so special. Because God didn't come just for Mary. God came for humanity. God came for all of the world. God came for all of us. So if God's going to be embodied in Mary, then God's going to be embodied in you and me. We're going to hold the love of God within us. And it tells us something about our humanness. Oh, sure, we're, we're very familiar with the frailty of our humanness, of, uh, of uh, the brokenness of our humanness, of how we just get everything wrong. But how often do we think that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, created by God, and so fearfully and wonderfully made that we are able to hold the love of God. We're able to embody the love of God. Us, human beings, it's simply amazing. You know, sometimes we, we tell the story that, well, we were filled with sin and we needed a Savior, so God sent Jesus to be a Savior. But it's not like God sent a plumber or an electrician down here to fix what's wrong with us. No, we're, we're not like the homeowner standing beside the plumber under the sink just watching. No, we're part of it. We are not separate from it at all. Because God came within us in human form. God's love was poured into Mary. God's love is poured into you and I every day. We are the holders, the bearers of the love of God into the world. And the world needs that love because the world is full of suffering. We're still suffering from this pandemic. The world is filled with calamity. We just woke up to it yesterday morning when tornadoes tore through communities just like ours. The world is full of suffering and calamity, so the love of God is necessary. Frederick Beekner, the great Christian writer, is talking about Job. Job, a man who was acquainted with suffering and calamity. And Frederick Beekner says, when God spoke to Job, he said, you don't want to know why things happen. You want to know that I love you. You don't want to know why things happen. You want to know that I love you. Because to know that God loves us changes everything. Oh, yeah, we're, we're human and we, we have our questions, our why and when and who and why, how, and we want to know why. We want to know everything. We want to reason it through. But what we need to know, really know, deep in our bones and deep in our heart, is that we are loved by God. God loves you. And that changes everything. And that can change 
the world. Now, if we as Christians tell this story about the love of God coming within us, if we as Christians gather and light these candles of hope and peace and love, then we have got to be bearers of the love of God. I, we have got to be love experts. That's what we should be. Now, I know what you're saying. I've said it myself. I'm, I'm not a real lovey-dovey person, you know. There, there's other people that are like that. That's not me. I'm not a hugger, thank you very much. But an expert isn't someone who's naturally gifted at something. Do you want a doctor that says, uh, uh, don't worry, I'm naturally gifted? <laughs> well, have you ever done this surgery, doctor? No, but don't worry. I have a natural ability. No, you want an expert, right? You want somebody that has learned, somebody that has practiced, someone that has done it 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times. That's what it is to be a love expert because it doesn't come from our ability or our natural bents or wishes. It comes from God. You see, to be a love expert is to accept the love of Jesus Christ in your life and to hold it in your life and then to share it with those around you. To be a love expert is to practice love because what you practice, you will be good at what you practice again and again and again, you'll make less mistakes. You'll, you'll learn to do it. You'll be better. And sooner or later, you will be a love expert. And that is what the world needs. That is what the world's waiting for. That's the message of Christmas, that God came in human form so that we humans can hold the love of God and embody it and carry it into the world in the midst of suffering, in the midst of calamity and disaster. We can carry it to people who believe that they are unlovable, that no one loves them. There's people that wake up that way and go to bed that way, that go to work that way, that lived their whole life because someone, when they were young, told them that they were ugly or they were stupid, that they weren't loved. But we, we the love experts, can take in the love of Christ and hold it in our life and practice it wherever we go. So in the midst of suffering, in the midst of calamity, in the midst of everything that's wrong with the world, we can love because God has first loved us. You know, sometimes we're good at loving in here because it's easy. No one's going to give you a cold shoulder in church or give you a harsh word in church. And sometimes we think, well, as Christians, we're to be a Bible expert. The world doesn't want that. And there's no way you can be a Bible expert without knowing God loves you and you are to love your neighbor and go and do it. Sometimes we're good at being church experts 
But that's not what we're called to be. That takes all the power out of this message. We are called to be love experts, to accept the love of God for ourselves and hold it within us and carry it out into the world and share it to everybody. And that, that will change the world. So go and practice. Go and practice today and tomorrow so that you and I can be love experts in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.